God's word. You may be seated. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you, Luke. Yep. Well, like you said, my name's Josh, and uh, I've taught before, so this isn't new. The preparation is new, but uh, the other thing I have going for me is I'm the biggest Christmas fanatic of all time, so if I just go off on tangents about Christmas, forgive me, but I love Christmas more than uh, Aubrey Boy's Christmas is like a very close, so, I mean, it is the most wonderful time of the year, amen? Two people agree. I say that kind of jokingly <clears throat> at a pastor's uh, meeting about two weeks ago, Dale, who does our counseling, brought up the point, by the way, just heads up, this is when stuff starts coming to the surface, and a lot of counseling needs are brought to the surface in darkness and just angst and pressure and stress and, you know, all these sorts of feelings brewed to the surface that aren't really joyful and merry and all this stuff that's supposed to be. So, and that was like the first time I'd ever thought, people don't love Christmas? So part of what I hope for today is there's a subsection of you who are like me and you are giddy about Christmas. You put the lights up, you got the tree up, you got the Pandora on Christmas music, you got 99.9 in the car, you are set, you love it. But there's a big chunk of you that just struggle in this season. It's, it brings back bad memories, it's stressful, it just shows how much money you don't have and wish you had, it shows how crazy your kids are, it shows how fractured your marriage is. So part of this is to help you guys out and just bring a little bit of peace, a little bit of serenity, a little bit of the rest that Jesus says he gives to this season. Amen? Does that sound like a good thing? So that's, that's what we're going to do. Like I said, I love Christmas. I mean, I, if you guys need any tips on Christmas decorating, come to my house. We have it up. We've had it up for a couple days now, so <laughs> it's game time. That being said, I'm curious. How many guys have put up Christmas lights already? One guy, get your hand up, be proud of yourself, that is a beautiful thing. Rick Mars, father of the year. How many guys have a Christmas tree up? A little more. Okay, how many of you guys have bought a Christmas present already? Materialistic bunch, aren't we? <laughs> All the sentimental things, no, give me the truck. Give me the CD player. Put the tree up, people, I mean, jeez, that is... Brazzle, do you have your tree up yet? Such a Scrooge. <laughs> Here's the last question, and this proves your dedication to this season of life. How many of you guys have purchased eggnog yet? Woo! Yes! <laughs> Costco, $5 for the thickest gallon of eggnog you will ever have. <laughs> Poured cold into a mason jar. Uh, now my three-year-old's like, I want eggnog, Okay. No, not in my little plastic cup. I want it in a glass cup like Dad. So I got my man mason jar and my little boy's tiny mason jar. Eggnog mustaches, I mean. Doesn't get any better than this. And again, I say this. I, I come at this from a different angle. I just feel crazy blessed right now. I mean, the other day, Aubrey was out, and me and the boys were, I was sitting at the table drinking eggnog, obviously. The boys were in the living room watching Christmas cartoons. Our tree's up. We got Christmas music in the background. I got a fire log in the fireplace. I'm the real deal. <laughs> but I was just, I just sat there. I just started to cry at the table because, like, everything I ever envisioned about my life is true and then some. And you, you not all feel that way. So my, my prayer is that you wouldn't 
get to the point of joy and cheer that I'm at right now, but you'd step a little closer to appreciating that the God of the universe loves you in real tangible ways. Amen? Here's the reality, though. Here's some stats on the Christmas season. You guys ready for this? It's written that this is the, the week leading up to Christmas, the seven days before Christmas, people in America get the worst sleep of the entire year. That's restful. And then you women are all going to be like, amen. 42% of women say that hosting Christmas Day is the most stressful day of the year. Throw in Thanksgiving women. How many feel stressed when you have to host? A couple of you. What about this next one? 40% of women, my wife totally resonates with this, worry that their hosting skills will be criticized by a loving mother or a loving aunt or a loving woman in your life. Because guys don't care. They're like, what? There's a turkey. 85% of women don't think their man understands how much work it takes to host. Ladies? Seriously, it's not that hard, ladies. Honestly. Like, Aubrey, cook, Aubrey can cook anything, and I, I was a little worried that she wouldn't know how to cook. She goes to this thing called All Recipes, and you can make anything that's ever been created by a human in the history of the world. So I'm like, your job's a little easier, so I'm not going to give you... Prairie Days praise back when they actually went out and killed something. <laughs> I love her. She's somewhere in here. This one's great. 50% of men think that women exaggerate the stressfulness of this time. I like the brave souls. That is beautiful. <laughs> and this is just classic man think. 33% of men think that they could do a better job if they were left in charge for the preparation. The bravest of souls. Little Garza. Jeez Louise. Figure it out, son. And just here's kind of the big, like, stress buckets we have coming in the season. Financial. It says that the average American will spend $800 on gifts, not including parties, food, and hosting, all that sort of thing during the season. So you may not be there, but average means that's in the middle. So there's a lot of people over that, some people under that. But around $1,000 that you may or may not have right now. That's stressful. You may have $1,000 just laying around somewhere, and it's stressful, and you want to do well for your family. How many parents, my parents always did this every Christmas. They prefaced all Christmas with, it's going to be a light Christmas this year. <laughs> and then I'd come out, and I'd have like a bow and arrow and an elk and all that. I'm like, what are you talking about, Light. You guys, there's just this weird, like, pressure to, like, make it huge. Family. So I said if my in-laws were in the last service so I can open up and go crazy now. <laughs> you have to hang out with people you don't really want to hang out with. <laughs> and it's supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year. You get that, like, you got your aunts, your uncles, your grandparents. I mean, most of them we love, but there's just this select few that, no thanks. <laughs> and then this one's a big one. Scripture over and over talks about being content. This is kind of the season to fantasize about the thing you wish you had, the marriage you wish you had, the kids you wish you had, the house you wish you had. We see National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I love him to death. But part of like the sin that you see 
is like periodic through the movie, he has these fantasies about what life would be like with a better looking wife or like more money. And even though he's super joyful in the season, he's still drifting off and thinking, what if? And that's not at all what this season is about, but that's what brings the stress. And we'll just close this out with this, uh, um, what's the word? Quote, quote. (laughs) The doctor kind of summed it up. Women resonated a bunch because they actually do all the hard work during this time. At this time of the year, women are assigned the role of caretaker for everyone's dreams. Women, how many of you agree with that? You got to create a magical Christmas for your kids you got to make your husband look like not such a doofus, even though he didn't buy anything. And he <laughs> Love, mom and dad. Thanks, dad. What would you get? Uh... <laughs> yes, no biggie. It's because I love you. Like, this is just a stressful time, especially for women and especially for people who come from just holiday seasons I don't match up with, the merry, merry season. So here's what I will say. My mom was one of those people who just, the holidays came around, and she kind of got like this dark cloud over her head. And she would kind of bring it out on us, and occasionally she'd do crazy things to like make her point that she wasn't happy. We get it, Mom. Put the glass down. Stop throwing stuff. But the reality is she came from a dark upbringing with alcoholism and abuse and all this sort of thing, so the holidays just brought to the surface just bad memories. And fast forward five, ten years, and I watch her, and I just don't see that anymore. So what's changed from just this dark, gloomy cloud to this mother, grandmother, who just fairly, mu- fairly enjoys Christmas now? And I'd say it's pretty simple. Maureen, grandkid, 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 grand, 12 grandkids now, and she doesn't have, like, the mental energy to focus on the gloominess of the season and blessing all of her kids and all of her grandkids. So part of this is just to get us out of our own heads in negative ways and get us in the heads of others in meaningful ways. Does that make sense? And in that, that's, that's, that's how you grow into Jesus' likeness. Amen? Is that what we want, to be more like Jesus the last Christmas we have on this earth and go meet him and be a little more like him than we ever were on this earth? That is a good, good goal to have for our life. So that's what we're doing here. Just curious, how many of you guys have ever seen the Blessed Rhythms? It's an acronym, so B-L-E-S-S. They all stand for something. Raise your hand if you've ever seen this. So most of us, this is the first time. So this isn't new to Gateway. A guy who's a church pastor somewhere else, I think in England, came up with these practices. So here's what we're going to do. We're just going to show them to you, and then every Sunday until Christmas, we're going to do another letter. So today is the B, the Blessed Rhythm. So let's just walk through so you can kind of see what these are here. Um, you can kind of see that. Bless. We bless God. Thomas fixing it. I'll read it to you. I know. By worshiping and praising him with thanksgiving. So part of what this pastor was after was a lot of the Christian life is lived well on what's coming into you. And what I mean by that is we have good checks and balances for how you're doing your Bible study. So how, how much are you reading? Six days a week? Good. How's your prayer life? Okay, good. We have all these good kind of accountability systems for how you bring stuff in as a Christian. What's kind of missing is how do you do checks and balances on what's going out? Because we don't just read the Bible and then go sit in a hole. We read the Bible, we're supposed to be changed by it, and then go love people in big ways. So what this pastor wanted was just a substantial way to kind of have accountability on the back end of loving each other. (laughs) Thomas will fix it. 
Does that make sense? So some of you are like, that sounds legalistic. I'm just supposed to be like Jesus. Don't tell me how to be like Jesus. We're not trying to tell you how to be like Jesus. We just want to give you a framework. Does that make sense? I ask the teenage girls a lot, a few times. Would you rather have a guy who was like super scheduled, you always knew what to expect, Every Tuesday night, he called you and blessed you in a substantial way. Every Wednesday, he took you to yogurt. Every Thursday, he just sat and listened to you in a park. <laughs> Friday, you guys <laughs> held hands and kind of frolicked through the whatever. <laughs> Saturday, you went and had breakfast, and you guys shared a plate of pancakes, and you fed each other. <laughs> Sunday, you... So he did the exact same thing all the time. How many of you guys would like that? That sounds pretty good. How many of you guys would like this hopeless romantic who like threw these extravagant things for you? And you never knew quite what to expect, but when he came through, my oh my, he showed up in big ways. Which one of these guys do you want? Schedule boy? Spontaneous boy. Schedule boy? Spontaneous boy. And here's what a lot of, a lot of girls really want the, the spontaneous boy but you don't get spontaneous boy unless you got boy who sits down and plans stuff out. Amen? So part of this is like planning out what the outward focus part of our life is actually going to look like. It's not legalistic and it doesn't remove the spirit. But unless we plan stuff, very rarely does it happen. Unless we plan how we're going to give, it's not going to happen. Unless we plan a date night, it's not going to happen. Unless we plan how and when I'll spend time with my kids, it's not going to happen. So this is just to provide you a, a gracious plan that hopefully you can use and be blessed by. So the real kind of broad thing is we bless others by serving in tangible ways that enrich their lives spiritually, economically, and socially. I love that word enrich. Church, we use a lot of like, love people, serve people, enrich. That's, that's a big word. Make their life more fulfilling because you are in it. When I think through that lens with Aubrey, stuff changes. Love Aubrey is, well, I married her. I work. I try not to snore. I love her. Enrich is, I'm trying to make her life better than when she met me. So next week, we'll have the L, and Luke will be back. And this is the listen one. So these are all kind of, think of it as like a framework to think through your Christian life. So we listen to God through the Bible. That's easy enough. It's called the bread of life. We read it every day or as much as we can. And we listen to the Holy Spirit in silent prayer. So this one may be new to some of you, but God still speaks. And he doesn't speak outside of his word and, hey, I want you to go and do this and have this crazy. No, he speaks in tune with his word, but he speaks to people and he guides people. Amen, Blake? Blake has a direct access to the Holy Spirit. Have you ever talked to him? He's like, hold on a second, Josh. Got it, Holy Spirit. Let me, I got something from the Holy Spirit for you, Josh. <laughs> Listen up, young lad. When you're up there, just don't get too big for your britches. All right, that's what the Holy Spirit just told me. <laughs> and I thank Blake, and I thank the Holy Spirit for using that man. But the Holy Spirit speaks to us, and that's the rhythm there. We listen. This one is so, so huge, and I hope it really kind of multiplies as we go through this. We listen to others actively. We have empathy. We listen to their thoughts, their emotions, and their circumstances. Like we listen, and we stop talking, and we just listen. And then we process through the Holy Spirit, and then we connect. But a lot of times we're trying to love like what we think that person wants to be loved like when we haven't listened to them at all. So we listen. 
Next up is eat. Amen. Everybody say amen for eating. Gosh, I love the Lord. We eat with God. We take in his word. And we also have communion. We do that weekly here. We do that weekly because it's a big deal. Because it's a reminder of the gospel and Jesus' life and his death. And we eat and we do that often. So we remember. And this other one is interesting because it's a... Jesus built this into the way we function. We need food. He built the perfect hospitality mechanism into us. We get hungry. We need to eat. People need to know Jesus. They need to eat. Well, let's bring those things together then, and let's eat together and kill two birds with one stone. I get my pancakes. He gets some Jesus all in the same meal. So we eat with others by regularly sharing meals and drinks together, seeing as an opportunity for profound fellowship. So we have three meals a day, 21 meals. So just think through, like, the next four weeks of your life. Out of those 21, could you pull people in that you've never pulled in before? Or people that you're really close with, but you want to have a more substantial time together? And that's all this really is about, is what do you normally do? How do you make it a little more intentional? And the meals is probably the perfect picture of this, because we all eat we all eat breakfast at home or on the road or whatever. A lot of us eat at work or moms make PB&J and then stress because they're making PB&J again. But then we have dinners together and how can we bring, so we eat together and we just think, how can I bring some people into this with me? Amen for eating. We could close on that and go out of here and worship God. <laughs> we got two S's now. First one is speak. So this one's the easiest one to understand. You speak to God. You pray to him, you praise him, you thank him. God, thank you for all I do. I journal, so like my morning time is me talking to God through writing. That's, you just speak to God. And then you speak to others with gospel intentionality, inviting them to trust in God through all their circumstances. So you just, this isn't just normal speak. We all talk and have conversations throughout the day. But this speaking is, when the Holy Spirit opens up that moment, you pounce and you speak. In Acts, Peter preaches, and they say, they're blown away by the boldness of Peter. And I've always read that and thought, Peter was like this mad preacher. And people are like, he's amazing. And the boldness just means you speak in such a way that you don't hide or conceal anything. So that can be done with a gregarious public speaker or that can be with the most shy little girl that's ever existed. And when she's talking in her mousy little talk to whoever she's talking to, she can say, do you know Jesus? He covers your sins. And she can speak in the most quiet, shy way and still be bold. Amen? So we speak to others. And this last one we all need to hear a little bit because this is supposed to be a restful season. We're talking about the guy who came to earth to bring us rest as we're like, ah! We Sabbath with God by resting in the gospel of grace and spending time with him. So one of our rhythms is going to be just weekly or whatever it is. How do you stop and just enjoy God? And then how do you do it with others? We Sabbath with one another regularly, taking time to rest, celebrate life, vacation together, and recreate together with those around us. These sound good, right? But if, you, if you're like some people, you get stressed. You're like, oh my gosh, more checklists. That's not, a, your week is already structured the way it is. How do you kind of put this on top and kind of just tweak some of the things you normally do and do it with more intention than you've done it in the past? Does that make sense? We're not trying to stress anyone or 
gosh, this church just tells me a bunch of things to do. That's not at all what we want. But the God, Paul, Paul tells us in Romans, we'll get to there, you must be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Christian. And part of that renewing is how your life actually plays itself out in the rhythms. So we need, to, we need this, Christian, right? We need to have God speak to us in this season. All right, let's do this. This is an easy sermon, three points, real practical. Next week we'll hear the L, then the next week we'll hear the E, then the next week S, S. And on Sundays, if you're signed up for the devotional, raise your hand if you're signed up for the devotional. Sundays, when you get your email, it's just a list of activities, and there'll be, and you just really can choose one of those to do as your big blessed thing for the week, or your big listen thing for the week, or your big eat thing for the week. One of the eats that I love is let any family member in your family choose where you're going to eat. So Elijah, where do you want to eat? He'd say donuts. As a family, you got to go eat donuts. <laughs> but that's just a nice way to enjoy God is good. Amen? So we're going to look at Genesis 12 real quick, and then we're going to look at three points. Real simple, and we'll get real practical at the end. Luke read this, Genesis 12. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Here's the whole point. God blesses us so that we can be a blessing. And that is said a lot, and we kind of lose the... But he really does bless us for the benefit of others. So just think through your season of life right now. Some of you have more money than you've ever had. Has God given you more money than you've ever had so you can eat and be as fat as you've ever been and buy as many gifts as you've ever had? Partially, but part of that blessing financially is... Use that to bless others. So maybe finances is where God has really blessed you. We've all been blessed spiritually who love Jesus, and that we can share that blessing with anyone. Hey, do you know Jesus? No? Well, let me tell you about him. He's amazing. Some of you have time. So college-age people are a lot of my mentors, and they kind of say, oh, I don't have time. I just want to kick them. I said, how many kids do you have? No? Okay. Oh, that's right. I, th- I, thought, I thought that was right. So what did you do yesterday? I went to Starbucks and studied. How long? 12 hours. How long were you on YouTube? That's irrelevant. (laughs) Point being, like some of you are in a season of time where you have time. Older folks who have kind of done the parenting deal and grandkids are spread out enough, you have a little more time. Like how are you going to use your time to bless others? You are blessed to be a blessing. My wife is not blessed with time right now, so if she goes and signs up for some time-extensive deal, it's going to crush her. She's blessed with a voice. She'll sing. She's blessed with all recipes, so she'll cook. <laughs> but what, how has God blessed you? I really, really want this, and I think Luke and all the guys would say the same thing, to be really practical for you as this season, not like this vague love others. Like really in your life, your season, your little niche, how's it going to work for you? So you are blessed to be a blessing. Amen? God, and just bring some weightiness to this. God has given you five talents. He's given you ten talents. He's given you twenty talents. He's given you .5 talents. He's given you twenty-five talents. He's given us all a certain amount of resources. Time, talent, treasures, whatever. And at the end of our life, we're going to come back with what we've done with that. And God says, 
I gave you 10. How many do you bring me back? 10? Well done. I gave you two. What did you do with it? Oh, I buried it in a hole. That wasn't the point. So there's a, there's a cheerfulness and a, yeah, let's love others, but there's a heaviness of we are to bless others because God has given us a certain amount of time to do so. So we are blessed to be a blessing. Now let's, we've got two more points. This one's kind of tricky, and I've dwelled on it for, uh, let's see, when did I start studying for this? Uh, since 8 a.m., so I'm really in tune with this. We bless God. And as I was showering this morning and drinking my coffee, I'm just thinking, what does it mean to bless God? Have any ideas? Like, what do you give the guy who has, as I think through Christmas, what do I give my dad? He has $2,000 binoculars. Seriously? Really? Here's a $5 subway card. Go enjoy a cold cut trio. (laughs) But there's a reality to like, this God has it all, doesn't need it all. What do you give back to that? And I think, someone said something? Praise. At Romans, we, we went through the really bad part of Romans where it talks about sin, and there's a kind of a, a point where he explains where the break is between those who love God and those who don't. And in Romans 1, it says, They did not honor God, praise him, nor did they give thanks. So blessing God is very simple. Look at your life. God, thank you. Look at the things around you. God, praise you. My good, look at the clouds. Driving in today, I mean, it was just beautiful. Gosh, amazing. Praise God. Thank God. We'll just walk through a few examples in Scripture. How do you do that? Because we're all in different seats. Some of you are like, I hate Christmas. I hate this guy. Now I hate this church. I'm out of here. <laughs> Gosh. What did the people of Scripture do? So we're just going to walk through some of the guys in Scripture and how did they respond to God in various circumstances. So the first one is Abraham. So Abraham gets blessed in mighty ways. He goes to war. He dominates. He gets all this stuff. I mean, he just, just blessing upon blessing upon blessing. What's he do? He blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And God gave a, uh, Abraham gave him a tenth. When life is good, you praise him. A lot In church culture, there's a, re, there's a weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn. You guys know this? And I think there's a trickiness to like, if my life is good, which it is, I'm not supposed to be like waiting for God to pounce and just kind of creeping in like, I hope he doesn't get, I hope he doesn't take one of my, I hope he does I'm supposed to praise God because this is what he's given me because the day is coming when I'm going to be crying my eyes out, praising God because I know I'm supposed to, not because I want to. So if life is good, you praise him. Amen? And then we got Job. Job, what a dude. Jeez. So this is after, like, life just just sucks. I mean, God just takes everything. Job is like what you'd want out of a church guy. He does everything he's supposed to. He ties. He serves in Sunday school. He loves the kids. He talks. He greets people. He's an usher, blah, blah, blah. And then Satan says, well, of course he loves you. Look how good his life is. That's not complicated. You've given him nothing but good. Of course he's going to praise you. This is after God took it all away through Satan. Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head. You can avoid all that. Fell on the ground and worshipped. There's a great song out if you're in just a hard time. Though he slay me. Shane and Shane. Though he slay me. 
Oh, he slay me. I will praise him. Amen? I will praise him. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, the Lord took away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I read this stuff, and I really hope it's true me when the time comes when I got to say this. Some of you, the time is here. And either you're going to praise him, or you're going to punt and look for a God who fulfills your needs in the way you want met, not in the way he, the wise one of the universe, says is best. We got tons of other things in scripture. Next guy. So this is David. Gets rescued like time and time again. He's like, lion's trying to get him. Saul's trying to get him. Lord lives. Blessed be my rock and exalted be my God, the rock of my salvation. When God rescues you and fixes stuff, fixes your marriage, fixes your health, fixes your finances, fixes your spiritual standing before him by going to a cross and dying for you, you praise him. When he rescues you, you praise him. Next guy. So this is uh, Solomon. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, with who, who with his hand has fulfilled what he promised with his mouth to David, my father, saying, since the day that I brought my people Israel out of Egypt, I chose no city out of all the tribes of Israel in which to build a house that my, my, my name might be there. But I chose David to be over my people. Solomon's about to build a huge temple. God promised it way back when, and Solomon is just praising him that he's a God who answers his promises. He, he makes a promise, and he comes through. He's made promises for you and I, and he's come through. And there's more promises, bigger and better than you'll ever understand, and he's going to come through. Praise him. Like, does that not stir your soul? I mean, he's made huge promises for little old me, who could give a flip about him for most of my life. And it just promise after promise is coming through. And now the big ones are just down the road, and I get to think about them and dwell on them. You praise them. Next guy. Uh, skip this one. Not important. Psalms. Nah. So here's a big one. This is Daniel. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. So Nebuchadnezzar's like, show me that your God's a big deal. And God answers Daniel, and he can interpret dreams of Nebuchadnezzar. So here's what I'd say to this. When you see ministry success or f fruitfulness in your life, you praise him. Because he's doing it. When your kids get saved, you praise him. When that neighbor finally asks you, all right, dude, tell me about the God guy you've been trying to get me to listen to. You praise him. Amen? When your neighbor comes over and they're broken, and all they want to hear is about the God that you long for, you praise him. We got any more? I think that might be it. Last one. Oh, the best one for last. Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the Christmas story as you start to read it to your kids. Prophesy saying, Blessed be the Lord of God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. If you can't think of anything to praise him for, 2,000 years ago, God said, The best thing for me to be doing with my time is coming to earth to take care of you knuckleheads and to redeem you, and to save you, and the person of Jesus. So you thank him for Jesus, the God of the universe, who could sit on a throne forever in heaven and have angels give him the rightful praise, went to a manger where it smelled like doo-doo. Then he was raised by sinful parents, and he was the righteous one of the universe, and he did that for me. Praise him for Jesus. Can we praise God a little bit? Amen.
So just some practical things. How do you do this? I'll give you kind of things I do. I journal in the morning. Whatever a verse comes to mind, and I write it, and then I kind of talk to God. Or I keep a prayer journal where I fold each paper in half. Prayer request, whenever God answers it, I date it, and I say, thank you, Lord. So it doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to sound like a Ph.D. theologian. One guy I listened to recently said, he doesn't let, like, the churchy women start in prayer a lot of times because it scares the guys away who are like, all I'd say is thanks for the hot dog. Like, but, like, thank you, God, for the hot dog. It's amazing that you can take 40 different types of meat, squish <laughs> and make it delicious. And thank you for Costco for making only $1.50 and a soda. <laughs> so, like, don't get too churchy. Gosh, I could never do that. Thank you for soda. Thank you for, and just start simple. And lastly, we bless others. So this is where it gets practical. This is what this is about. Getting God to, God's blessings to be more real in your vision. And say, wow, that, he really is a good God. And then taking that heart that's been filled by him and going to others. So we bless others. I'll give you just the passage that you need to be familiar with to like constantly live this out. Philippians 2. It's talking about Jesus. You don't have to go there. But he says, have this mind among yourselves, which was that in Christ Jesus. Though, though he was equal with God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Meaning, though he was the king, he put his kingship aside. And he, what did he do? He got down off his throne, and he counted others more significant than himself. And he thought about my needs more than his desire to be praised. That is amazing. So that's what we do. We constantly think about others, constantly think about others. And then we sin, and then we look back at the cross and say, oh, look, Jesus did that for me. And then we go out and we do it again. And that's the cycle of the Christian life. Love others, sin, Jesus. Love others, sin, Jesus. And it's frustrating at times, but that's all you have is a guy on a cross to look at to fuel your tank to be able to love others. Here's practically how it looks like when I'm doing it well which is, you can ask Aubrey, I don't know, a fraction of a percent of the time. I think about, what would be the best way to bless me right now? Yours truly. I think, oh, I'd love some cookies right now. And I think about, you guys all do this, like, that's why you're cranky all the time, because you're not getting what you want, or your expectations aren't being met. Like, what would bless me right now? Oh, my feet hurt. I wish somebody would rub my feet. Whatever it is, and that mindset, that mental, like, navigating you do, take it and apply it to someone else in your life and actually spend some mental energy on another human being. This is amazing, Josh. You should write a book. This is so (laughs) profound. You mean to love someone? I've got to think about how to love them? (laughs) Amazing. With the students, I told them on Wednesday, the way I start to navigate and kind of figure out who the mature kids are rising up is I just watch them, and I see the kids who actually go into different situations, and you can tell they're thinking about other people. Because teenagers are like this. Aubrey, what she, what'd she call them way back when? Like this insecure confidence. Like, I'm confident, but I'm insecure. Like, I don't really know who I am. The ones that, like, have kind of started to push insecurity aside are the ones who are loving others in significant ways. And the insecurity kind of gets pushed aside. So, that makes sense. What would bless me? No, no, no. What would bless Bob Clevin right now? He's a woodworker. He's a sweet man. He's from Minnesota. I'll get him a Vikings jersey. I don't know. (laughs) And you get better at it. So here's kind of some practical ones we'll go through, and then we're going to deal with those cards. 
Bake your favorite cookies this week. You can see I wrote this. And make enough for a few other families. Take cookies to them with a note of blessing. Simple. All recipes if you don't know how to put flour and eggs together. <laughs> Number two. I love this one. Think of, I saw this in an old advent calendar. Think of three people in your life who go unnoticed and bless them. Mailman, teacher, firefighter, whoever it is. Buy them a gift card and a card. Here you go. Thanks for what you do. Like, how much does a written word mean to someone? I mean, I've got, I, got, I had a student who was an Italian exchange student. She just emailed me and, like, filled my tank. I was, like, skipping out of work. She's like, I remember everything you said. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I got to one of them. Beautiful. <laughs> this one's great. If you're on the devotional, they even gave you a location to go to. Gather a group of people to look at Christmas lights. Nothing extravagant. But you be the one to buy hot cocoa and bless people. Number four. Prayerfully consider, this is kind of a big one, how you'll give to the Christmas offering. So involve your kids. Be creative. Like, what are we going to do? How are we going to sacrifice maybe even to a point where it hurts? So Christmas offering. Number five, I love this one. My mom's been a waitress for 25 years, and I just see her, like, skip out of work whenever she gets blessed at work. Leave a huge tip. What's a huge tip? Well, more than whatever you think is a good tip. (laughs) Well, uh, I had one jerk guy say, Here's how I do. I put the money on the table to start my meal, and as they're bad, I start to remove it. (laughs) The wrath of God awaits. (laughs) Next up, give one last gift gift this Christmas. Decide to give to M25 or someone in need. And then lastly, this is what we're going to do together. We want to be real practical. Like we said, we don't want to stress anyone out. But get these cards out that Mr. Ring made for us. You should have a card, an envelope, and a pen. And this is how we'll end today. James says that your words can speak life into people or can destroy them to a point where they hardly ever recover. Who is someone in your life you can speak life to in a way that they may never ever forget? Like that is crazy that we could bless people so much with just what we say to them. So think of one person right now who you want to bless And take this time, we're going to take about four minutes, and you write a note of encouragement to them and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. So we'll take about five minutes. Kyle will play here for us. Think of that person who you want to bless, and let's just do this together.